Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to all new Monday edition of Second City Sports Real Live and Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakimi and Gee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at mm-hmm. CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You follow me at Kim McGee on the Twitter and at Kim underscore McGee on the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can catch our other five live shows throughout the week. If you happen to miss them, you can go back and watch them and listen to them and catch them at your own leisure. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, you can follow them on all social media platforms at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, that's find Sports Zone Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want to catch the audio version of this podcast, Second City Sports, you could do so by subscribing to War on Anger. We are available on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. Type this in your search engine boxes on those podcast platforms. You ready? W-A-R-R on Anchor. One more game, as you young folks would say. W-A-R-R on Anchor on those podcast platforms. And you can follow War Media at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any very uh, definite opinions about any of our topics we're going to discuss on our two-hour extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show, you can go to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid or act ignorant, as you young folks would say, I've given Lakina full boat to give you fools to beer lane beer boot. Bye-bye. I love when you say that. <laughs> and speaking of giving the opponents the boot, Lakina, let's kick off this Monday edition of Second City Sports by discussing the NBA Finals to 2022 edition. The Golden State Warriors bounced back, as most people expected, with a big game to win over the Boston Celtics, 107-88, to tying their best-of-seven series at one game apiece. Jason Tatum bounced back with a big game for the Seas, with 28 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Steph Curry did not have the worst, greatest game, unlike in game one, but he still tallied 29 points, six rebounds, and four assists for the Golden State Warriors. It was the 35-14 outburst for the Warriors to start the third quarter that made the difference for the Warriors in in their home court in game two. Lakina, before we break this game down from last night, what were your initial thoughts uh, about the Warriors game too? Uh, we talked about this before we started uh, recording. Now, of course, now we're broadcasting live on there, but 
we we kind of called it on Friday, Lakina, that we know we knew that the Warriors were going to come out uh, with a better performance in Game Two. They were ending in the first half, but that third quarter, like I just mentioned, was the difference in the game. In Game One, they had a meltdown in the fourth quarter, but it didn't happen this time last night. No, it, no, it didn't. And we 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 all most well, okay, like you said right before we started recording, most logical. Uh, basketball fans kind of call this and say, hey, you know what? Look, this Warriors team is too good. They got too much experience with their core to kind of, yeah, they, yeah, I'm sure they would love to have had, you know, game one back on Thursday. But, you know, look, we figured that this was going to happen, especially, especially, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, Steph didn't, did he have his best game? No, he didn't. He, I mean, yeah, he hit his shots. You know, Steph was Steph in some form. You know, he had 29 points, which is actually, you know, some would say that is a sort of a Steph-like performance. I think most people yeah. probably would take that. But, look, he had contributions from other from uh, other guys. Jordan Poole he had, his, he had his best game the last couple of uh, games. He had 17 off the bench. Klay Thompson, again, didn't have his best game, but he hit some big shots too, especially in the, to kick out that run in the third quarter. Kelvin Looney had 12 points. Andrew Wiggins had 11. So, it, like I said, it wasn't – it was definitely a team effort, which definitely helped mm-hmm. the Warriors in this sense from last night. And, look, on the flip side for uh, the Celtics, you, look, Jason Tam, again, was Jason Tam again, had 28 points. You mm-hmm. know, Jalen Brown had 17, but that was basically it for the, for the Celtics. Al Horford went back to being the Al Horford, unfortunately, that we know – that we know <laughs> only two points. Um, Robert Williams, you can kind of tell he's still a little bit gimpy from that injury. He only had two. Marcus Smart struggled from the field. He was over three from three. So it was definitely one of those games where you're kind of like, you know, the Warriors were able to take advantage of the fact that the Celtics, you know, they didn't have that hot shooting. And we all, and we figured that that was going to be the case. So. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the Boston Celtics, they were in, the, in, the, in the, once again in, in, in a tight first half. With the Golden State Warriors, the, the Warriors were turning the ball over early, but it was a hot shooting from, from the Celtics from the three-point range, in particular Jason Tatum, that kept them in in the first half. What made the difference besides that third quarter one for the Warriors is that the Boston Celtics stars like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum all got in foul trouble you know, within the first half. and it, it totally changed everything what the Celtics wanted to do. Now, they they did uh, play their bench a little bit more, in particular Grant Williams. And we'll get into what he did with Draymond Green in just a second. But you didn't get much contributions uh, off their bench outside of uh, Derek White, who chipped in with 12 points. But you could tell, unlike Thursday when the Celtics got down, you felt like they weren't out of it, and you saw what happened at the fourth quarter. But what happened last night it, uh, with their stars being in foul trouble, uh, it, um, it was a, a tall tale sign uh, of night and day between games one and two for the Seas. Yeah, I think that was definitely sort of the thing. I mean, you didn't look, we weren't, that just didn't happen. You thought that maybe the Celtics will kind of get back into that mode that we saw in you know game one where they're going to go you know get a run together and just you know be you know be right there to kind of probably still gain two again i mean tatum you know became the third Celtics player in you know in their franchise history to have 500 points 100 rebounds 100 assists in a single postseason joining you know guys like larry bird who did it three times paul pierce so that's pretty good company he's only the he's all the second youngest to do it too after lebron but after that i mean you know the, the warriors outscored it 35 14 in the third that actually breaks their own the record that that was set mm-hmm. against them. So in any quarter in finals history. So, you know, and, you know, Boston had more turnovers than they did you know, field goals in the third. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So the Warriors actually kind of set up their defense. So it's definitely one of those things where, you know, 
we're seeing that maybe there might be a pattern here that fluky things might happen. Somebody might go into a run. Somebody might, you know, might miss a shot or you got an unsung hero and, and such. So we saw that in game one with Derek White being kind of like the unsung hero for the Celtics, seven up when Tatum didn't have his best shooting night. In this case, you know, with last night, you had Steph didn't have his best shooting, but, you know, even the Warriors of the team really didn't have to have a best, have a really great shooting night as a whole, but the Celtics did a lot worse and the Warriors were able to take advantage of that. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition right here, live in the 11 color of Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you, reviewing game two of last night's NBA finals between the Warriors and the Celtics. The Warriors beat the Celtics 107 to 88 to tie that best of seven series uh, at one game apiece. Game three will be on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on ABC. The games three and four will be in Boston. Game three will be on Wednesday, and game five, game four, rather, will be on Friday night. And here's uh, here comes one of our old guys uh, back hey. on the show. Nice to see you again, Mr. Antoine hey. Showtime Ward. He's at Warriors and five. Clay Wong having one eight shooting night from three. Uh, let's hope you're right, Antoine. I had actually had the Warriors in six, so uh, I'm kind of on <laughs> on track there as far as my pick is concerned. So we'll we'll see what happens uh, um, with the next two games being in Boston. We'll get into that more uh, coming up in a couple of minutes. But Lakina, you brought up the Warriors defense. Uh, it was a play with Jalen Brown and Draymond Green toward the end of that first half. Remember, Draymond Green already had a technical foul. That play mm -hmm. was reviewed between Green and Brown, and it was uh, uh, no double tentacles were called. Jeffrey Gunny, I thought, brought up a great point last night, last night on the tally, guys. He said if it was a regular season game, both these uh, players would have been called for double tentacles, and it would have been the end of that. But with Draymond Green only having one technical foul, that definitely factored into the decisions of the referees as they had to go at the scores table to look at it on replay. Of course, they decided that it was just both of those guys would just be called for common fouls and nothing further. But I thought Draymond should have been kicked out of the game. You could tell that Draymond Green, Green was starting to stir things up, and, you, and, and uh, to a certain extent, it worked. Now, the Boston didn't really back down from him, but – we all, Draymond Green has a reputation with the referees, and he kind of mm -hmm. totes that line at times, but uh, he was definitely playing with an edge, especially in that first half last night. He kind of felt that way, and I think you you figured that he was going to kind of come back with that little extra edge, and look, as great mm -hmm. as Jeremiah is, he could, be, he could be a pain to buff for other teams, <laughs> for the opponents at times. And you saw that happen yeah. last night. I mean, I, you know, I kind of felt that, you know, should – I don't know if Draymond should have been, uh, you know, kicked out. I, I just think, look, in the finals, look, weird things happen, and you kind of have to figure out that, you know, some things might they might slide. Which, unless like you know, Draymond punched somebody, they were he, they were gonna he wasn't gonna get kicked out. I know some Celtics fans were very like you know angry about that he wasn't tossed. But you know, look again, it, unless it was something like really egregious, like I said, like I said before, him you know punching somebody and such, that mm -hmm. wasn't gonna happen. So in this case, I, I think look, look, get the double technical. They did the right thing, and it, you know, there really wasn't much you know to do after that. Now again, I think the Celtics didn't back down, but I think the problem was that they didn't back it up either. You know, they didn't. Yeah. Look, they didn't have the, the best shooting light. The best that they would have done is kind of shut Draymond up, and the Warriors was to kind of shoot lights out like they did in Game One. They didn't, and you saw what happened. So 
Look, this isn't gonna look. I know there were some Boston fans that were saying that they were the Warriors were gonna they were gonna sweep the Warriors. I don't know where <laughs> like they haven't they haven't been watching basketball. I guess I guess they're letting their uh, their homerness to kind of you know get the best of them. But drinking it, a green beer, <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh, too much of that green beer, I think. But uh, look, this is gonna go seven. We've said this before. They're gonna split in Boston. We we talked about it right before we started recording. So they're they're gonna split in Boston. I feel like and. Uh, and look, I think look, no one's gonna blow out some. You know, we're gonna have competitive games, hopefully. And look, we'll see what happens. I, I feel like this is sort of one of those. This could be a, a classic finals. I feel like. Let's go back to uh, last night's game two performances by the unsung heroes. Heroes. So let's start with the Warriors. Gary Payton the second. He was active for game one, but Steve Kerr decided not to play him. Gary Payton, the second played 25 minutes last night, had a plus 15 rating, had seven points, three rebounds, and three three assists. Uh, talk about his impact because of the, the crowd, which I thought was very classy, uh, gave him a standing ovation when he entered the game midway through uh, through the second quarter. And you could tell that Gary Payton, the second, he's the, we, we talked about it uh, through the second half of the season early in the playoffs before he got hurt in game two against Memphis. Uh, talk about Gary Payton, the second's impact on this team. It was definitely felt last night. It, w- it really was. And, it, and I don't want to say this is like a Willis Reed from game seven back in, you know, 71. Not, it wasn't like that, but he mm-hmm. kind of felt that there was a little bit more, you know, spirit, kind of a spiritual kind of gave him that little of. And like he was mm-hmm. perfect. He was perfect. He, you know, three for three from the field. He hit his only uh, three point attempt. So that definitely helped in that sense. But he kind of felt that there was definitely something different. They give, he gives that kind of extra energy and the extra option in scoring. He was actually a pretty, you know, he actually had a, you know, had a couple of key assists too. So he was definitely a guy that was definitely missed. Not that they really, not that they really needed him, but I guess yeah. he's kind of like gives him the extra sort of, you know, everything, the extra score, the extra kind of assist guy. And we saw that last night. You can kind of tell that, you know, there was definitely something different once he got onto the floor. He, he actually has that impact. Yeah. And that's what the Warriors need going for it. Now, the other impact player I wanted to talk about, he actually had a hot start uh, to the playoffs, but cooled off and ha- he struggled during, uh, I believe, uh, doing too much in game one. But he had a, a, a very good game two last night, and that's Jordan Poole. He was a plus seven. He had 17 points, including five of nine from three-point range. And he had the a dagger of a half-court three-point shot towards mm-hmm. the end of that third quarter, which put the Celtics to bed. Jordan Poole really turned it around from game one on Thursday. Yeah, it was definitely like almost like 30 years to the day right after uh, the Jordan shrug game, if you will. They were waiting yeah. for the shrug. You know, sort of like he just kind of gave, gave him that look. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was definitely like, you know, finally got to that point where like, okay, this is the Jordan pool that we've seen all these playoffs. So, you know, he made big shots. You know, he had you know, con- you know some contested, you know, steals. He made some contested threes. So he was definitely kind of like that, you know, not really unsung hero. This is, He's mm-hmm. been kind of an unsung hero these entire playoffs because, again, Clay didn't have his best start. Yeah, I, I get what Tuan's saying that he's not going to be one for eight from the uh, from the three point range. No, he won't. But again, he's been kind of struggling. You can kind of tell he's still. You wonder that is it sort of the mm-hmm. you know the wear and tear starting to bother him a little bit. So, you know, kind of like he hasn't played in almost two years. But uh, again, look these these are the kind of guys that you want stepping up. And again, those were kind of the you know the guys that kind of step up. Yeah, B, Balik, Balik, Bajika had uh, six uh, key points too. So mm-hmm. I, I think you know he's. The, you know, I think their their role players definitely stepped up for the Warriors. Now for Boston, like I said earlier, nobody else was there was no one else that kind of stepped up other than uh 
the two uh, the two main guys, uh, Tatum and, and Brown. And if you're trying to go, oh yeah, Derek White got twelve off the bench, but it wasn't an, it mm-hmm. wasn't up. But he needed help from the other bench guys. So I don't know if you're if you're a Boston, you know, you get him back at TD Garden, and I'm sure that place is going to be rocking. You want to get to the point where look, this thing's going to go seven. I'm already going to put it out there right now. I I've been saying it for. <laughs> I said like all like for the last ten minutes, but yeah, no one's gonna run away from this series. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a gonna be a game of chess where you got okay, Boston got the first move stealing the game, you know, in the in the Bay Area. Warriors came right back, you know, and the Celtics didn't have their best shooting day. So let's see what happens when we get there because this is not this is not a two three two. This is a two two a one one and one. So it's all gonna depend exactly. on who's gonna kind of get that sort of steal that you know that advantage if you will for that pivotal. Game three on Wednesday. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you discussing the NBA finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Before we move on to our mini preview of game three, Lakina, I want to focus in on Andrew Wiggins. I thought Mark Jones and Jeff Van Gundy and the crew uh, uh, brought up a great point about Mr. Wiggins last night. He was very good defensively. He was a plus 19. He had 11 points in, in a total of six rebounds, and he also had a steal in there as well. Uh, Andrew Wiggins really um, stuck on to Jason Tatum, especially in that second quarter going into the mm-hmm. second half. I uh, know he had hit a couple of shots early from three-point range to get the Warriors going offensively, but uh, he, uh, he was challenged. Uh, the story came out that he was challenged by soon-to-be new Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown, who's currently a Warriors assistant. That uh, Andrew Wiggins could be a, a better defender. He's not going to be a shutdown defender, but he could be a better defender. He's taking that challenge on all year. We didn't see it in Game One, but we saw glimpses of it in Game Two last night. Yes, we did. And I think, look, that that's going to be the key. I think if, you know, if, if guys can kind of just. Sort of, you know, get into that 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 top of the key and sort of, you know, make that interior defense make so the Celtics force, you know, three pointers and force, you know, taking bad shots. I think it just like people for underestimate how good the Warriors defense is. So I wonder, like, is that going to be the key as we get into you know further and further in the, into the series? Because it's definitely going to be like I said, it's, gonna, it's definitely a cat and mouse. So you wonder, like, who's going to be the the player? Who's going to be the unsung player? Will it be a top player that kind of? Gives his team his advantage, the advantage as we get into further further to the series because there's not it's not going to be any blowouts. It's not going to be like you know no one's going to blow the doors off of somebody. So I, I feel like this is going to be that's going to be the key here for me. What about you? Yeah, that was going to ask you where were your keys to, to Game Three as we preview Game Three for Wednesday night. That's at eight o'clock p.m. from Boston on ABC. The key for me for Boston are uh, your top three stars better not get in foul trouble. They're going to get that extra edge because they're at home now for games three and four. I think they need to uh, get the ball inside just a little bit more to Al Horford. I know he only had two points last night. I remember I asked Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation on Friday, "This is is this the best we're going to see of Al Horford? He said, we still have some left in the tank. Now, I, I agree that Al Horford is not going to shoot six or eight from three-point range again. I agree with you on. I agree with Ricky and yours and yourself on that, Lakina, from our show on Friday. But Al Horford, they need to get him involved a little bit more. It, it, when that happens, it's going to make their shooters uh, that much more dangerous. Now, I don't expect Al Horford to totally turn back the clock, but if he becomes a bit more of a threat offensively from the paint, uh, that's going to open it up for for Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and and Derek White coming off the bench. It's going to open them open the game up more for them uh, just mm-hmm. a little bit more now for the for the Warriors 
How are you going to defend Jason Tatum? We all knew that he was going to have a big game last night, which he did with 28 points. But how are you going to defend him? And on the flip side, can you get off Clay Thompson, especially early in the game? You saw a glimpse of that in the third quarter, but uh, he couldn't sustain it. Can you uh, uh, use that same game plan you did last night to start off the second half? Can you do that to start off the third quarter? Because it wasn't just Clay Thompson. It was Steph Curry, and it was some of the other guys. That was there. The Warriors mm-hmm. missed a lot of easy layups, in particular in yeah. that first half. They, yeah, they really did. And you wonder, like, is it is this sort of history repeating itself from game one? Luckily, that wasn't the, t- the case. I mean, Boston did, you know, was cold. So they were able mm-hmm. to kind of take advantage of that and didn't come back to bite them in the butt. Now, that's, you know, for me, I think the keys are, are going to be, you know, like you said, guys like Robert Williams, guys like Grant Williams, guys like Horford, Marcus Smart. You can't be scoring, you know, can't be going over from three and scored only two points. That's not going to cut it, especially if you're trying to win. You, know, you you want to win it all. So the, the guys are going to have to step up too. You got to have, you know, you know Luke Cornette, maybe another unsung hero, Daniel Tice, who I wish he was still here with the Bulls. That's a whole nother, yeah. whole nother <laughs> conversation. Uh, uh, Peyton Pritchard, I mean, you know, he actually did well actually defensively last night. Yeah, I know Mark Jackson was... gave him some love on the broadcast. Yeah, but he has to step up offensively as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I definitely, you know, the Boston, the Boston guys just need to step up in general outside of uh, Brown and Tatum. That's basically all you can, you know, that's all you can say about that. Now, as far as the Warriors, you know, you hope that maybe Clay Thompson maybe going to a go being away from home, maybe that'll help him with his shooting. Who knows? Um, you know, Looney, you know, step it up a little bit more. Hopefully Draymond can, you know, be that, you know, that agitator, <laughs> if you will, you know, maybe <laughs> for a little bit, you know, that would help as well. Uh, hopefully others, um, you know, Gary Payton the second hope he as he gets, you know, gets more and more back into the rhythm, he can kind of start becoming like that, you know, facilitator that we saw early in the playoffs before he got hurt. So I think it's gonna definitely gonna the key for me is definitely gonna be who among the role players are gonna step up. Once again, game three between the Warriors and the Celtics will take place from Boston Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. That game can be seen on ABC. Straight ahead, Lakina, we had to get into baseball both locally and nationally. The White Sox, are they finally starting to turn it around? The Cubs, they showed up against St. Louis, but are they good as advertised? And you're surely watched one of the best games he's seen in 2022. We'll get into that and a whole lot more as you're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition, real live in living color. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. AutomotiveMap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. Dance the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler 
could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Welcome back to Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live and in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. If you want to follow your surely on the Twitter and the IG, you could do so at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80, that's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina's McGee on the IG. We have less than 90 minutes left of this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us during any of our topics on today's show, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions and comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, let's dive into some baseball for this uh, segment. The Chicago White Sox are, are now two games under 500 for the season at 20. Five and 27. After finishing up the six-game road trip with back-to-back wins over the Tampa Bay Rays by the scores of three to two from Saturday and from six to five from yesterday, Lakina. Before we dive dive in a little bit further, here's a couple of uh, observations that I observed from this series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Jake Berger, whatever you do, TLR, aka Tony Larusa, for those of you scoring at home, keep Jake Berger in the lineup. Number two, keep Andrew Vaughn in the lineup as well, please. Can we do that? Because <laughs> both of them came, uh, uh, came, uh, both of them came up huge in yesterday's victory. Jake Berger with the uh, game-winning home run in the eighth inning on Saturday. He had two doubles yesterday, along with Andrew Vaughn, who also had two doubles. Uh, the pitching was outstanding. Dylan Cease, who should have uh, qualified for the win on Saturday, uh, he pitched he he pitched very good. But uh, that second inning with when Tampa Bay. Uh, piled on with the 40-pitch inning for him that kind of did him in. Yesterday, Lucas Giolito was given a 6-0 lead. Uh, he he didn't pitch his best, but he almost single-handedly led Tampa Bay back in the game. But uh, but the bullpen for the White Sox have been out, has been outstanding these last couple of games as well. Liam Hendricks, back-to-back, one, two, three, ninth innings. <laughs> Yay! Well, they were able to take advantage of some of the, uh, some of the deficiencies that have, you know, kind of handcuffed the race so far this year, leaving runners in, in scoring position. You know, they're actually just as bad as the White Sox have been yeah. with uh, guys on base. So they were able to take advantage of that. And look, Liam Hendricks, I mean, he had a, that was definitely something that he really needed. I saw some of the, that the last part of the, the uh, yesterday's game. And I think, look, look, if you're a White Sox fan, you should be feeling pretty good. You're able to take two out of three against one of the top teams in the uh, American league. So you can definitely take that and build on that. And you know what? I, I feel like, look, could this be the start of a, one, a run for the for the Sox? I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to say at this point because you, you thought that maybe a couple of weeks ago they thought you thought that yep. they was going to get a rhythm going. That turned out not be the case. So I, I kind of want to just see, okay, you uh, 
okay, look, you got two, you won two out of three from, you know, that a nice bounce back mm-hmm. from that, uh, getting swept by the Blue Jays, but also too at the same time, you got to keep it, keep it up because you, you not only have the, the Twins who they've, they've kind of been up and down too, but you were able to gain much and neither have you had with the Guardian. So that's kind of been the issue. Now you got to go, now you host a Dodgers team that's not in a very good mood, I think. I will get to them in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you kind of have to sort of just, you know, try to kind of acquiesce, if you will, and hopefully you can kind of get a rhythm going and such. But like I said, they have a pretty tough schedule. You got the Dodgers coming up starting tomorrow night. So, you know, TBS, it'll be, you know, the game one of that series will be on TBS at 710 uh, Chicago time at G-Rate Field. You know, and that's a little note there. That's going to be, that's the start of their uh, game of the week, if you will, that TBS has been going to be doing this season. A little note there. Texas. You know, Texas got some good good players. I mean, they got some a, a nice young talent. I mean, they're not gonna set the AL West on fire, but they've got mm-hmm. some good talent there. You got Detroit. Detroit's always been like a it's always an adventure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in Detroit, especially you know, when we to saw say the season, least <laughs> early this season, uh, definitely. Also, you got after that too, you got three against Houston, and then you got you host Toronto after that. So you got a pretty tough schedule if you're the White Sox. So I, I think I'm gonna wait and see. Because like like I said, I thought that maybe last week they were gonna get you know get into a little bit of a run. They haven't done that so far. So so let, I'm gonna I'm gonna show me more with the White Sox right now. And and that's a, a proper way to uh, take that attitude, Lakina, because we haven't seen outside of that six and two start to start the year. This team uh, has been below or around five hundred ever since. Then. And as Bill Parcells, the Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach, always says, "You are what your record says you are," and that's what's happening mm-hmm. with the White Sox. Right now, Jay Berger, as I mentioned, in his last five games, uh, he has over four hits, uh, three doubles in a home run with four RBI. And he's he's been one of the key figures of this White Sox team as the White Sox been uh, struggling with injuries, in particular, Tim, Tim Anderson. Jose Abreu, his personal 12-game hitting streak uh, ended on Saturday, but he's yeah. been swinging a hot stick over the last uh, few weeks or so. So he's starting to get to get it going. He had that big three-run home run on on Friday but uh, it came to it, it, it came at the right time but the White Sox still as you said especially in that game on Friday left runners in scoring position Luis Robert aka La Pantera left the bases loaded striking out so uh the, the White Sox still had hopefully this is a turnaround but like you said Lakin they, they had to put up or shut up and I, I think they could give the Dodgers a little bit of trouble we shall see I know Michael Kopech We'll start the game tomorrow. You'll surely will mm-hmm. be there sitting in the stands. And so I believe Dylan Cease will start the uh, the Thursday game. I'm not sure we'll mm-hmm. have to check up yes, on yes, that. Yes, so, yes, yes, yes. So, so well. yep. Yeah, so on paper, you you think they could take at least two games. We'll see what happens. The Dodgers are a good team. Like you said, we'll get to what happens to them in just a second. But Jake Berger, Andrew Vaughn, and Jose Abreu have been the three hot bats in this White Sox lineup. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Tony Lewis can – Keep them in the lineup car, barring injuries, and let them stay there. Let them stay there. I wanted to ask you, Lakina, well, about second base and mm-hmm. Johan Makata and Josh <laughs> Harrison. Uh, I, I don't know if moving oh, Johan Makata wherever he gets healthy to move him to second base or put Jake Berger there. I don't know if that's going to be the answer. Josh Harrison, I uh, kind of as one of the few people I actually like to pick up, but he's been a big disappointment. Do you think he'll be the next one to be DFA'd? Oh, for those of you scoring at home, destiny for assignment, which means cut from the team. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of White Sox fans talk about this, too. I mean, he hasn't really been, you know, he's, he, he's done a few things, but he hasn't been sort of like as good as advertised. He's not that that veteran 
um, presence. But uh, I mean, he could be one of those guys that could, you know, maybe they may just, you know, D, you know, DH him again more, or he might end up being DFA to may just, you know, maybe wave him and perhaps have someone else uh, pick him up. I just think he just doesn't fit here. I actually like the sign at first, but then if you have you seen him both on, you know, fielding and hitting, he hasn't really been, you know, too productive offensively. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, is he sort of, could he be another one? Could be like Keiko, who could be up saying, you know, bye bye to him too. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think when Makata does come back, I think you got to put him back on second. And well, we know Harrison can play at both infield and outfield. He's very versatile. That's probably one of the reasons why Rick Hahn signed him. But he just doesn't fit this particular team. I just don't, it, it, it just doesn't fit for me. The only thing I like about him is that his intro song, he play, uh, they play uh, Frankie Beverly Mays' song, Before mm-hmm. I Let Go. You know? Yes. <laughs> Yes, you know that's a tradition. Of people that look like us, especially around this time of year, hosting your family barbecues and family reunions, things along that line. So, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see what happens with Mister uh, Josh Harrison uh, going forward. Lakina, let's turn over to the North Side. It was a, a a tremendous series between the Cubs and the Cardinals. The five game series from uh, Wrigley Field's uh, friendly confines. The St. Louis Cardinals took the series finale last night in extra innings. By the score of five to three, and the and they took the Fox Saturday baseball game up by the score of seven my to computer four. Is, seven, seven to four. four. Thank you. My computer was freezing up for a minute. Seven to four, but uh, the Cardinals take three out of five from the Cubs. The Cubs outside of the Friday game, which Marcus Stroman struggled big time. The Cubs actually showed up in the series, but as we talked about, Lakina, they don't have the talent to compete with the St. Louis's or the Milwaukee's in this NL Central Division. Are they as good as are they better as advertised? Maybe at times they are, but uh, we all know that they st- they still have a long way to go. And the crazy, crazy, crazy about this is, is that outside of that Friday game, which you know Stroman, that was definitely his worst game of the season, mm-hmm. probably his worst as a Cubs so far. They were in every single game. The last two mm-hmm. you know, of the series win the extras, so they were right there. And of course, you know, fortunately, that's that's when the lack of talent sort of shows up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they were actually able to put up a fight against St. Louis, especially you know the last two days being on national television, for on the Fox Saturday game of the week, also to the, the Sunday night baseball, I think that definitely helps. Uh, so shows that there is a little bit of talent there. Look, you know, Christopher Morrell, uh, I think has broken like a record for I think like you know most of his uh. Uh, being reaching reaching base, you know, in his first uh, first few uh, bats in the uh, in the uh, major, so I think that helps a little bit. Schwindel had some, you know, uh, has a good showing too. Um, you know, Alfonso Rivas had a, a couple of good showings in some of those games at the, especially the ones that the Cubs won. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're start, you're seeing that sort of like the you know, the discrepancy in talent. So, but the fact that they were able to push the Cardinals two extra innings in those last two games actually were in. Four out of the five, well, you know, those, with the of the first game on Thursday that they, they won, you know, they, you know, had to hang on, but they ended up winning that one, of course, you know, outside of the Friday one where uh, Strong you know, was just pitching batting practice. They were in every single game. So you, yeah. if you're a Cubs <laughs> fan, you got to be feeling pretty good at where you're at right now. But I, I think, like, you've got, you got the talent there. Who, who knows? I mean, just see where you're at and get near 500. They can just take baby steps. Yeah, that's what the Cubs are doing right now, taking babies. As you mentioned, Christopher Morrell, he, he he's been uh, the lightning rod for that Cubs uh, for that Cubs offense at the top of the lineup, uh, leading off. 
Let's talk about Patrick Wisdom and Frank Tradell. Both of those guys were swinging hot sticks again this weekend uh, against the Cardinals. Both of them hitting monster home runs. Uh, the question I asked you, Lakina, before the season started, I'm still asking you now, and Cub fans that are listening and watching, watching us, uh, are both those guys are in it for the long haul? Can you get something for them at the trade deadline or when the season is? I'm not sure. They still, they're both of them are making their cases right now. I know that both of them are going to come coming up on the calendar year or wearing a Cubs uniform, but I, I still have a question that both of them will be part of, of the Cubs' future plans. They're looking good right now, but I, I'm still not sure from an outsider's perspective. Well, you have to. Well, I think we don't know what Jed Hoyer is thinking right now. Could Schwindel? Uh, could Wisdom be, I, I think, could they both be a part of the Cubs' future plans of being uh, rebuilding? You know, again, again, you just got to wait and see. I mean, we really don't know what the plan is right now. So uh, they're nine games under 500 at this point. Mm -hmm. So you got to think, okay, you know what? You know, maybe let's just see what you got and then, you know, try to build off that. So, again, mm -hmm. we again, we will have to wait and see. Maybe we won't find out, like, find out that until the end of the season. You know, we'll see what Jed Hoyer says. He's been kind of he's been pretty quiet. So again, he's got to do a wait and see mode. I, I think there really has. I don't think they really know what their core is just yet. So I think you may have just you know play it by ear. And I think that's probably what you know Jed Hoyer is going to do. And I think look, we'll, we'll see what he does. I mean, I, I think the attendance has been very has not been very good over at Wrigley. I mean, there were just as many Cardinals fans that were Cubs fans. And still some NPCs before the for the both yes. Saturday and uh, yes. and, and yes. last night's game. There was still some there NPCs, was. and it's not there good. There was yeah, and that's not a good sign. So I think I'm sure they're taking it into account too, uh, Jed Hoyer. So you guys just got to wait and see. And I, and I feel like you just got to one, you know, just take baby steps and just hope that maybe if the if the Cubs do finish right near 500, if they win like 75, 80 games, 70 to 80, I think that's probably a good little range there. We'll have to wait and see what happens. In the Cubs schedule for this week, they have today off. They'll have a three-game series at Baltimore starting tomorrow, and they'll have a historic three-game series at Yankee Stadium against uh, the New York Yankees. Uh, so that's the Cubs schedule for this week. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in the Living Color right here on Sports on Chicago. See Lakina here with you. Say that five times fast. See Lakina here with you talking baseball right here on Sports on Chicago. Let's get into what happened around the rest of the league over the weekend. Lakina, I'll start off with yesterday's exciting game, one of the best I've seen outside of our Chicago team so far for 2022. The Philadelphia Phillies complete a three-game sweep over the Anaheim mm -hmm. Angels by the score of 9-7. to seven. Bryce Harper, uh, who's been maligned by some Philly fans uh, during his time in the Phillies uniform, came up big with a big grand slam in the eighth inning, tying the game at six. And Bryson Stott uh, with a big home run mm -hmm. uh, off a 3-2 pitch with two outs in the ninth yes. inning yesterday. It was an awesome uh, moment for Philadelphia fans. Uh, uh, in the team as the Philadelphia Phillies now three and zero after firing Joe Girardi. Yeah, I think Rob Thompson. I think people want to say extend him, extend him the first base coach. Uh, he's a uh, the interim manager mm -hmm. right now. I mean, uh, the irony is that they're now three and zero since he took over. So, uh, you know, they they swept the mm -hmm. Angels, but but the Angels have not been. You know, they've been kind of flat these last few weeks. I mean, uh, Mike Trout's are now been, ten in a row. Mike Trout's been hitless in that in that mm -hmm. spans. Uh, I think Sh Shoya Tani's had his struggles. I mean, he struggled uh, early on that weekend game where the Phillies uh, just hammered the Angels to mm -hmm. 10 nothing. It's I, I don't know. I mean, I think they're falling back to earth, but I didn't think they would be falling back to earth this badly. I mean, they're now mm -hmm. eight and a half back from Houston. So 
11, 11 in a row they've, they've lost now. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's just, mm, you hope that if you're the angel, if you're the angel, you hope you can get it together, but mm, it's just not looking good for you guys at this point. Let's go to the American League, Lakina, the Twins, as we mentioned. Uh, surprisingly, if you, especially if you're a Sox fan, the Twins take two out of three at Toronto against the Blue Jays. The New York Yankees, they sweep away the Detroit Tigers. Uh, they had a, a, a dramatic win thanks to that, idiot, yeah, to that idiot Josh Donaldson from yesterday. But you mentioned the Bronx Bombers have now won their last six games. And the Minnesota Twins, they take two out of three in Toronto. And the Houston Nationals take two out of three in Kansas City against the Royals. You look, I think you're, you do what you're supposed to do, right? You 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 win two out of three against a team that you're clearly better than. So it's, I I mean, I think that's what you need. And you mm-hmm. you wonder though, I think we're kind of getting to the season. We're almost we're in the first week of June now. So you wonder like, are we starting to see some of these, you know, sort of these teams are we separating the contenders from the pretenders? I mean, the Angels. You probably say people thought were contenders about a month ago. Now they're now they're nine and a half back. Mm-hmm. Now they're about eight and a half back. I should say of Houston. So. Is it sort of, you know, are they starting to come back to earth? Um, who knows? But, uh, like, Houston's won seven of their last ten. Uh, you know, the Mets. The Mets got two out of three from the Dodgers. I know people. Yeah, they, sp- they split that four-game series. Yeah, two. Yeah, they did. And, uh, yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. they did play. Uh, they, the Dodgers actually won that game on Thursday. But, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it was sort of like, do you okay? The, you know, the Mets are kind of, you know, up and down, too. They, they've won. You know, they split their series with. Uh, the Dodgers, as we said this weekend, uh, Atlanta's won five in a row, so they're starting to kind of wake up a little bit as well. Um, you know, we talked about the Cardinals. Uh, the the Pirates have won a couple in a row. Uh, the Padres are looking pretty good so yeah, far. Yeah, they swept Milwaukee. Milwaukee, over the yeah, no yeah. one really saw that. So <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where are we starting to kind of are we starting to sort of see like the contenders and the pretenders? I think that's sort of like the for me. I think that's kind of like sort of like the thing. Are we starting to see? you know, the contenders and the pretenders separating themselves. You're starting to see that somewhat. We talked about the San Diego Padres just a, a second ago. They almost had, Musgrave almost had a no-hitter on Friday. Yes, I, he did. I started to watch a little bit of that after the Sox game. And, of course, the no-hitter did not come about. But the San Diego Padres, no one's talking about. I know the, the, all the hype that was brought in on that club last year. Actually, they were challenging the Dodgers, but injuries started to, uh, started to hit them last year. And they were losing to the bad teams, and that kept them out of the playoffs this year. Without Fernando Tatis, they're they're, they're a much better team. Uh, imagine when and if and when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back. I think that's going to be a much dangerous team. Now the San Francisco Giants, uh, uh, as we expected, they're not they weren't going to have a, a a surprising season like they were a, a year ago. Carlos Rodon, the former White Sox pitcher, had a nice start to the season, but he's been uh, knocked around a little bit, and so Gabe Kapler. Uh, he's going to have some work to do to defend the NL Manager of the Year. And Colorado, they're, they're falling on hard times. Arizona, they're mediocre at best. We didn't expect to take them seriously. So the Dodgers, uh, they're still a good ball club, but San Diego, if they can keep their head on straight, uh, uh, they're coming. They're coming. Yeah, winning three out of four against uh, Milwaukee you know, definitely should help them kind of keep pace with the Dodgers, since they, especially since they split their series with the Mets this week. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely uh yeah. So I get I get I think the West is definitely going to come down to the last couple of weeks, like it always has been the last couple of years. I'm not saying you know the the Dodgers aren't going to run away with it as we've seen. Mm-hmm. If the Padres can stay healthy, I think that's going to be the key as well. Can the Giants kind of get it going? They haven't really been able to get into a rhythm. Just when you thought that they would, they kind of have a, a setback. So. 
it's going to be one of the interesting how, you know, these matches, some of these matches, as we get into in a second, you know, like I said before, I mean, we're not, you know, we're into June where you're wondering like, okay, are we going to get, are we seeing, like I said, I got pre, like I keep, keep emphasizing it. Are we seeing like the, you know, the, the, the contenders and the pretenders sort of separating themselves and look at the, what the Yankees are doing. I mean, they, they've won six in a row and they, look, they have some, they still have issues with their pitching, but it's been their hand has kind of been sort of, Although, although you know, I, I will say Garrett Cole did have a have a perfect game going to the seventh inning in that Friday game against the Angels, mm-hmm. so that that sort of helped you know in the pitching aspect of it. And look, I, you know, Aaron Judge been hitting the ball off, so mm-hmm. he's they're they're kind of like right there, sort of in that realm, and they're kind of separating themselves from the rest of the AL AL East right now. Will that still be the case in about a month? We'll have to wait and see. Now yeah, twins. don't forget about Talion and Nesta yeah. Cortez as well in that starting rotation for the Yankees holding it down. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, going... so you just want to finish my point. Finish yeah, go point ahead. Here. The twin, you know, the twins, you know, they're still four and a half up on the Guardians and five back, five up on the White Sox. So can they kind of, you know, are they starting to kind of get back to it a little bit? Are the Astros starting to run away from the, the, the AL West? Who knows? But like I said, it's just, like I said, we'll have to maybe give us a few weeks and then we'll see what really does happen. But, uh, Things are starting to kind of align right now. And, and speaking of Cleveland, as we go back to the American League, they took two out of three from Baltimore this weekend. I had a chance to peep in on some of those uh, games during that series. As we said before, Lakina, especially early in the season, Baltimore, uh, they're not a playoff team, but they're not as an easy victory as they were the last couple years. So the, the, they have some young talent that started to show signs of them trying to grow up a bit on the field as they learn on the, mm-hmm. on, on the job. And also, too, and also to the um, the Boston Red Sox that they did what they had to do. They swept the Oakland A's over the weekend. There was more Boston fans in that stadium than Oakland fans, so that tells you uh, um, what the state of that franchise for Oakland is. And it's it's really sad. We talked about this before. We don't have to rehash old news, but Boston is starting to turn around uh, somewhat as well. That, that's going to be a as we said before coming into the season, Lakina. It's going to be a tight AL East race. The Yankees. Uh, are uh, sustaining their hot start from early in the year. Uh, Tampa Bay, they lost two or three to the, to the Chicago White Sox, but they're still going to be in the mix. Toronto, even though they lost two or three at home to Minnesota over the weekend, they're still going to be in the mix. And with this extra wild card now, mm-hmm. will the, all those wild card spots come out of the East? Who knows? But it's going to be a hell of a battle. Yeah, right now, again, it's, I know it's a little early, but all three of them hold those wild card spots right now. So mm-hmm. both the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Red Sox. So will that still be the case? I mean, you got the Angels and the Guardians right behind. You got the Sox right behind them and also even Texas. So there's still like a lot of baseball left to be played. And same thing in the uh, in the National League. I mean, you got the Padres and the Giants are holding the two of the three with the, the Cardinals in between. And then you've got the Braves and the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. Now, will that be the case when we talk about this again in about a month? Probably not. There might be definitely going to be mm-hmm. some movement. So, again, we'll see who takes advantage of the extra wild card spot. Yeah, so uh, as uh, baseball won a parity, uh, here he you go. And w- the more teams are in, in the wild card positions, the more the are, you have the fans interested in those teams and those markets, uh, keeping their interest intact. And so the attendance, especially now we get into the month of June, the attendance is going to go up in a lot of these places and the interest of, of, of these teams uh, will go up as well. So, well, baseball, once they usually get the majority of the time, we'll see what happens there. You listen to Second City Sports, the Monday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. See Lakina here with you as we uh, wrap up our number one. Lakina, let's go through the schedule 
for this upcoming week uh, for these series around Major League Baseball. We'll start off with the schedule for tonight. We have Arizona at Cincinnati at 5.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Arizona's three games under 500. Cincinnati, they stink. That's all you need to know about them. <laughs> the Texas Rangers, there are three games under 500. They'll travel to Cleveland to face the second place uh, Guardians in the AL Central. That's at 6.10 mm-hmm. p.m. Seattle at Houston at 7.10 p.m. The Houston Astros, we told you they may take a small step back, but they're leading the AL, AL West. Seattle has been disappointing so far this year. They're 24 and 30. The Blue Jays will travel to Kansas City to face the Royals at 7 10 p.m. That's an ESPN Plus game at 8 38. What's, what's up with these weird, weird times? I don't get it. It's kind of crazy, yeah. Uh, but it's the Boston Red Sox will travel to Los Angeles to take on the Anaheim Angels. And also at 840, the New York Mets will continue their West Coast road trip. They'll play the San Diego Padres. I'm looking, uh, really looking forward to that game. That both should be these, a lot of fun. both the late games. I'm really looking forward to tonight. Yeah, those, yeah, those, yeah, those should be really good series too. Then the Yankees, I mean, the Mets and the Padres. I should say that should be a fun series. Could be as the Mets continue their uh, uh, mm-hmm. West Coast road trip. So should be a fun one. And then the you old know, series, yes, you know, series are to starting off tomorrow. You got the course of Nationals and the Marlins. Both teams are kind of mm, in the at the bottom of the AL East. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Cubs and the Orioles. You know that should that should be a that should be an interesting uh mm-hmm. interesting series. Uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh, another interesting one interleague series. Uh, St. Louis and Tampa. That should be a fun one as well. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Then you got Oakland and Atlanta. Atlanta starting to kind of get into a groove. We'll see if they can keep yeah. it up. They finally above five hundred. Yeah, uh, Cunha has been, you know, you know, playing very well since coming back from that injury. So mm-hmm. we'll see if we can keep that up. The Yankees and the Twins at six forty. That's the first pitch. Go Yankees! That. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, they get the course of Dodgers and the White Sox. Of course, that's the mm-hmm. first game of that TV. Uh, the first game of that TBS weekly game they're going to have starting this week. So at seven ten. So if you want to get a national perspective, you guys can check that's out as well. Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Phillies won three in a row. So switching managers. We'll see. You. You know, Milwaukee, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens. And Milwaukee's trying to bounce back as, as, after losing three out of four over the weekend. Uh, Toronto and Kansas City, you know, continue their series. So does the Houston and uh, Seattle as well. Then you've got, of course, uh, the Red Sox and, you know, the Angel, Angels that start to continue their series. Mets, as well as Mets and Padres and uh, Rockies and uh, the Rockies and the, uh, the Giants start their series. Yeah, so there's some big matchups coming up for you this week around Major League Baseball. Lakina, I just want to focus in on the San Francisco Giants looking at their schedule this morning before we uh, we started broadcasting. They took care of Colorado the first time. Uh, let's see mm-hmm. if they could do it because you know why? You know who they host over the weekend? The L.A. Dodgers. Ah, okay. So and, that, and that's going to be the first time these two teams have, uh, have matched up uh, since last year's divisional series, which went the full distance in five mm-hmm. games. And so the Giants, uh, they want to make hey, they got to take care of Colorado first, not look ahead to that big weekend series they host against the LA Dodgers. So we'll see what the Giants could do as they're trying to make up ground in the NL West. Yeah, it's, it's sort of one of those things where you got to like, okay, maybe this could be the thing that you know, wakes the Giants up that series. But again, they got to. Gotta take care of business first. I gotta play Colorado, you know, the first you know couple mm-hmm. of days this week. So they gotta take care of business there first. So our number one in the books that went by really quick, Sid. That went pretty fast. Yes. <laughs> our number two, 
right? Uh, hour number two coming up next. We got our buddy Terrence Tomlin from it's, it's the Bigs talking NBA yep. and White Sox. And also, too, we got you know the you know, the NHL playoffs. You know some very interesting results in some of the, in both the uh, the conference finals so far. We'll talk about Rafa Nadal making another record over at the French Open. So much more, and some little bit of TV news as well. Cindy Brown, Lakina McGee, Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. We'll be right back with hour two right after this. AutomotiveMap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You follow me at Kenny McGee on the Twitter and at Kenny Oscar McGee on the IG. We have less than an hour of this extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments, especially for our next guest, you can go to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, let's continue the conversation about the NBA Finals, but first about the uh, about the Chicago White Sox. Let's bring on a good friend of the show. He's one half of, of the tag team duo they call the bigs right here in chicago he's the one the only mr terrence timely t squared welcome back to the show how are you my man very good thank you so much for always showing love you know i'm happy to come and talk some sports with you too no problem no problem where can people follow you on social media 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tomlin Does It. That's my last name, Does It. And uh, you can follow, I call it the mothership at It's the Bigs. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's uh, get down with some baseball talk first. Uh, Terrence, let's talk about the Chicago White Sox. You covered them for the Bigs. Uh, yesterday, they finished up that six game road to trip with back-to-back wins at Tampa Bay, uh, being the Tampa Bay Rays 3-2 on Saturday, 6-5 yesterday. Uh, yesterday's game was <laughs> was a nail-biter at the end. They almost blew that 6-0 lead, but the White Sox bullpen held it down. Liam Hendricks, for the first time in a long time, uh, had back-to-back 1-2-3 ninth innings. It was great to see, but Jake Berger and Andrew Vaughn and Jose Abreu, even though his personal history ended on Saturday, all three of those guys have been swinging the bats very well over the last few weeks. Talk to us about the White Sox, about those three players that basically carrying this offense without Tim Anderson. Well, first of all, I'm happy to, to have some positive White Sox news to talk about after uh, a pretty much stretch. <laughs> over, like you said, the last couple of weeks, it was uh, very good to see them, you know, really start to swing the bats versus a, a very good team in the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, one of those, you know, that one of the teams that's part of that three-headed monster over there in the AL East. Uh, so considering the fact that the baseball season is a marathon, you know, it was cool to see them start to, you know, kind of lay some of those negative uh, traits to bed, like, oh, they can't beat good teams. Uh, the offense is dead. Uh, they did both of those things over the weekend. and. With, you know, who could, you know, what perfect, what time, you know, could be better than right before the L.A. Dodgers come to town and you have a, another opportunity to, to build momentum and beat another good team. Who do you think needs to step up more, especially now that Anderson's out? We saw the, the guys that you mentioned. We, you know, we talked, Sid and I talked about just a few minutes ago, you know, Josh Harrison. Do you, now that Dallas Keuchel is now gone, you know, essentially he's been DFA. Do you think he's the next person to be DFA? Because he hasn't really been very productive, you know, especially on the offensive side for the Sox. You know what? Right now, I'm not sure if the White Sox can afford to to DFA those guys, even though, like you said, they haven't really, you know, produced to the, at the level that the guys they're replacing or fill in for have. But the, the injury bug is, has been really, really prevalent on the South side. And the depth has been even more important uh, than the last couple of seasons. And, and, and I know some of those guys are on their way back. Uh, Lance Lynn is, uh, you know, in a rehab assignment. Tim Anderson is working his way back. Uh, but, you you know, Eloy is also doing his thing. But uh, you definitely hope that guys like Josh Harrison, Danny Mendick uh, can continue to fill in and, and do big things. You know, both those guys had pretty good games yesterday. I know Danny Mendick had a pretty, you know, terrible play on the base paths over the weekend. Uh, but I think he's batting close to 400. Uh, you know, in his in his time filling in for Tim Anderson, which I don't know if, if that has any correlation. You know, if you fill in for Tim, you're going to be hitting 350 to 400. Uh, <laughs> but as far as the depth of this team, Lakin, I definitely uh, wouldn't be surprised if guys like Josh Harrison uh, ended up, you know, on off the squad in a couple of weeks. But right now, I just feel like they're pretty valuable. Yeah, speaking of another player on the injury list, uh, no one saw this coming as of the last week or so. Johan Makata, he was back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, his He still brings it with the glove on defense, but his offense hasn't caught up with him yet. And that's kind of been his whole 
uh, resume throughout his mm-hmm. whole White Sox career. Excuse what happened a couple years ago with him having COVID a couple years ago. Uh, I don't want to use the word hate because people uh, overuse that word, so I'm not going to use it here. But my confidence level with him is is shaky at best. Where, where's your confidence level at, Johan Makata? Do you think it's gonna, ever going to work out with him with, in a white sex uniform? You know what? I'm still one of the ones that feel like Johan Makata just needs a little bit of time. Uh, like oh. you said, the, the last few years of his career have been crazy. It's been inconsistent. He hasn't spent a lot of time on the field. And then now you have a guy like Jake Berger, a young guy, who's really coming in and swinging a good bat. Putting a little bit, a little bit more pressure not only on Yoan Moncada but on the fan base, you know, who hasn't really seen him produce at the level that, um, well, you know, the level we were told that he could produce. Uh, but what I think he deserves is is a little bit more time to get his feet back under him. You know, I feel like when he hits a groove, he's one of the more special offensive talent, offensively talented guys, not just on this roster but in the American League. And I feel like he's proven himself to be a very reliable glove at third base. You know, when uh, when when they put him over there at third, I was a little skeptical about if he, you know, would be able to adjust. And I totally love the way he's come in and showed that he could be a, a gold glove caliber third baseman. Offensively, do I wish he had some of the power that Jake Berger has? Absolutely. But more than that, I wish he played. I, you know, I want him to be on the field consistently. And uh, I'm willing to give him a little bit more time before I start to, you know, throw in the towel on a guy like Yohan Moncada, even though I know the fan base is thirsty uh, for the White Sox to play, at the, you know, at a high level, at a, at a World mm-hmm. Series caliber level. So, you know, you, you try anything when, you know, when things are working out, but it is a such thing called going too far and, you know, pushing the eject button on a guy like Yohan Moncada, I think that would be over the line right now. How do you have a Michael Kopech been kind of like up and down and he has to start tomorrow against the other start that off that series for the Dodgers. Um, do you think he can be that kind of like that extra starter that the White Sox desperately needs? I do. Uh, I'm, I'm very high on Michael Kopech. Uh, I feel like he's one of the cats that when he is in full bloom is a, a tour, you know, number two or number three starter in your rotation. Uh, another cat who I just feel like needs a little bit more time uh, to to build that consistency to 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 and, and I know that he just had another kid, you know, so he mm-hmm. was he was away for for not not because of an injury, so that's a good thing. So I just feel like he has the stuff uh, to be a really good pitcher in this rotation. I, I'm very excited for his future for sure. Terrence Tomlin, one half of It's the Bigs, is joining us right here on Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in the living color right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Terrence, here's another big topic that White Sox fans on White Sox Twitter. Uh, of course, I had to check in on them every day. Sometimes they bring in smart information. Other times they want to <laughs> drive you crazy. But uh, the, one of the topics on White Sox Twitter is manager Tony La Russa. I try to say things from a logical perspective, not get emotional right away, especially when it comes to him. But I'm kind of want to bash my fist through this table right now because uh, I, I part of it is due to injuries, but he doesn't have a consistent lineup every day. I understand you have to play certain guys like Leary Garcia and Gavin Sheets to a lesser extent. You want to get those bench guys some playing time to keep those uh, 
to keep them fresh throughout the year. But Larry Garcia early in the year, bad number three, that didn't make any sense. Now, Andrew Vaughn not playing him every day, that doesn't make any sense either. His bat has been hot as over the last couple of weeks. Talk to us about TLR and <laughs> what I'll, I'll let you explain about Tony Palooza from your perspective. I'm trying to not get in trouble by saying the wrong thing. I, <laughs> Oh, no. You know what? When you're a manager of a team with this much talent, you know, criticism is part of the game. And I feel like he totally uh, deserves it for at least for the, you know, one of the reasons you just talked about the inconsistency and and the inconsistency in a consistent lineup on a daily basis is definitely left me scratching my head sometimes. Uh, Yasmani Grandal leading off was another one. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> I kind of I kind of let the players kind of dictate what the temperature is on Tony La Russa. And every time I get a chance to to talk to a player, I just uh, really leave feeling like Tony La Russa really has the respect of the guys in the locker room. I don't think that he's in danger of losing it like like some of uh, Sox Twitter has mentioned over the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally feel like his confidence and kind of. The, his, his ability not to panic in situations like the White Sox have been in goes a long way uh, in that clubhouse because I feel like everybody in that clubhouse feels they're just a winning streak away uh, from being where, where they feel like they should. Uh, so I, I feel like some of the, the criticism from Tony, Tony La Russa is fair, but when you start to talk about, oh, he needs to get fired or – his days as the White Sox manager are numbered. I totally think that we need to, you know, relax and kind of look at it from a different angle. Uh, and that's the, you know, from the player's perspective. And although Tony, you know, when when he got hired, I feel like this was a cat that, you know, we talked about him being out of touch with the where the game was today, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so to come in and and expect that to be any different this time around. I never really expected that. It was always going to be on the players to adjust and, and for the players to find things that they had in common with Tony La Russa. And I feel like the number one thing they have in common is their desire to win. And that alone, I feel like keeps Tony La Russa's guys with him. And uh, I wouldn't be, you know, I, I'm, I totally feel like it's still early and the White Sox can still have a pretty good season. And the, and the conversation around Tony LaRusso can be kind of different than what it is right now. And, and we'll kind of charge this to getting out the gate kind of slow. Uh, but I, I'm totally expecting these guys to turn around. And Tony and, and when they're winning, Tony LaRusso is not a huge topic like he is when they're losing. Yeah, that's been the case, it feels like, the last couple of seasons. Uh, going mm-hmm. into the, the rest of the, the AL Central, you got Minnesota, now you got Cleveland, now they're starting to kind of get things going. Can the White Sox get together? I mean, that's the one thing that's kind of helped the Sox is that the Central isn't very good, but can they get, into, get to the consistency to catch both those teams? Both these teams, I should say. Coming into the season, I, I was telling Gene, I was telling my partner, Gene, that Anybody who thinks that the AL Central was going to make it easy for the White Sox this time around didn't watch the second half of the season last year uh, where the White Sox were taking losses to uh, the, the Guardians and the Tigers. Uh, those, you know, they brought in players over the offseason like uh, our boy Omago over there in Detroit, Carlos Correa yeah. in Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, that down the line are, are definitely going to make a difference 
uh, when you talk about jockeying for position in the AL Central. Um, I'm interested interested to see what these teams do at the trade deadline and what their rosters look like after that point because I feel like that may, you know, help catapult the White Sox into the front of this division, say if the the Guardians trade Carlos Correa, if the Tigers, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, kind of fizz out, the White Sox have a chance. Uh, but I think the, the rest of the AL Central is going to make the White Sox have to earn it. And uh, – I honestly wouldn't want it another way because I feel like when they were walking through the division, uh, we saw what it looked like when they got into the playoffs versus the Houston Astros, uh, that they weren't really battle tested. So when I look at this roster and, and the rest of this division, yes, I would love them to run away for it, uh, run away with it. But I think, you know, this is going to be a, a situation where all of these teams could be playing some of their best baseball at the same time. And the White Sox are actually going to have to, you know, beat on the beat, you know, beat on the division. Going to have to grab some wins within the division, in order to walk away with this one. Yeah, the White Sox are currently six and fourteen against the AL Central division, Ooh. so that has to turn around. Uh, before I move on to my next question, Terrence, uh, the Minnesota Twins, even though they took two or three in Toronto over the weekend, uh, I watched a few of their games. Uh, they have some nice starting pitcher, but it's not going to scare anybody. Uh, you mentioned Carlos Correa; he's been on and off the injury list for Minnesota, and that deal that he signed, he can get out of it at, after this year. Or so. For Minnesota, they have a tough uh, stretch of games coming up as well. But the White Sox, but for the White Sox, they got to take care of their their own business. So I don't think Minnesota is going to run away with this either. Remember, they lost four or five to the Tigers last week, so uh, the, the things can change in a hurry. But the White Sox just got to worry about their business. Now, the next question I want to ask you is about Jose Abreu. Me, White Sox fans, even though Jose Abreu is on the last year of his, of his current deal, me, White Sox fans, especially at the beginning of the season, wanted him out of the lineup or wanted him gone. But he's been heating up over the last three weeks. Uh, talk to us about Jose Abreu. You, you definitely cannot count this man out. No, that, that was nonsense. You know, Jose Abreu was going to get it together eventually. You know, the, he's one mm -hmm. of those guys where you know, uh, even even if the slump lasts a little bit longer than you expected it, you know he's going to snap out of it eventually and turn into the RBI-producing uh, monster that we know him to be. Uh, although I'm, I'm interested to see where his career goes after this season, uh, if, if he turns into more of a consistent DH, even, you know, uh, as opposed to an everyday first baseman, uh, there may be an opportunity, but uh, – the white, like you said, we'll see how this season ends. I feel like his future depends a lot on how the White Sox, you know, if they succeed and how much they succeed by the end of this year. So we'll see if the White Sox are looking in another direction or if maybe Jose Abreu can milk another contract from these guys. Hmm, we see. Oh, it should be interesting, though, especially in the ne negotiations. That should be an uh, interesting one, too. <laughs> but uh, let's go to the NBA Finals for a second, uh, Terrence. And look, you know, the series is now tied, as we expected. Now they go to Boston. What do you think are, are going to be the keys? We we talked about it earlier, Sid and I, about is it going to be kind of like the, the, the veteran guys? Is it going to be kind of the role players? Is it going to be the younger guys? Who do you think needs to step up so that whoever team that gets the advantage in this series? From, from a Boston's perspective, and I'll say that I'll be very surprised if Boston pulls this out and uh, is, ho is hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy when this is all said and done. 
but in order for them to have a chance, we got to see more from Jason Tatum. You know, we definitely have to see more from uh, their big, you know, their best player. And, and if he's not playing at the level, if, if anywhere close to the level that we know he can play, Boston has no chance. I know they pulled out that win in game one uh, without him doing much, but you see it, it's going to be very tough for them to do that again. Uh, when you're playing a team like the Golden State Warriors, who's clicking on all cylinders uh, with that crazy core of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. We saw last night uh, with the return of Gary Payton Jr. Uh, that they have the others as Shaq, as I, you know, I love how Shaq calls it, you know, calls the rest of the team the others. Mm they have you know they can cause Boston a lot of problems when they start to you know dig into their bench with guys like Jordan Poole uh Gary Payton Jr uh Andrew Wiggins and 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 they have dominated the boards really throughout the entire playoffs so you know so far so uh I'm really looking forward to seeing though if you know Jason Tatum can get it together I don't know if it's inexperience if it's nerves if it's the defensive scheme I honestly feel like it may be a mix of all of those, but I know he has to get it together, especially if he's spending all the time that he's not playing, talking about how he's texting Kobe and how he's sitting or you know practicing in Kobe's old gear. I just really want to see more from him uh, in this NBA Finals before it's all said and done, because when he does play well, uh, these are two, I feel, very evenly matched teams. You know, and um, I feel like – because of that, it go it comes down to experience, which is why I lean over to the Golden State Warriors. But at some point, somebody has to slay the dragon. You know, if you go through a Golden State Warriors team to get your championship, then I feel like that will put guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on a whole nother level that I honestly didn't expect them to be this early in their careers, man. So I, I really tip my cap to those young players, but I feel like experience. And that that veteran uh, aspect of knowing how to win this late in the year when it comes to, you know, playing this late in June and, and, and NBA finals, I just can't find, see myself not picking the Warriors to go ahead and win number four. Yeah, speaking of the Warriors, Terrence, uh, Draymond Green, we all know that he has an edge to him. He likes to mix it up with his opponents. He already, he already had one technical foul uh, last night early in the game, but him and Jalen Brown got into it in that tussle toward the end of that first half. The referees reviewed it and decided not to give either one of them technical fouls. So do you think that, uh, that Draymond Green should have been kicked out last night? And talk to us about his impact on the team. No, nah, you know what? I don't think he should have been kicked out last night. I'm always going to be in favor of letting them get a little, you know, get a little testy. I feel like it's good for that competitive nature of the finals. Both these teams want it, you know. Uh, but when it comes down to Draymond Green and what he brings to it, are we surprised that he had a moment where they, you know, where he was jeopardizing his availability uh, at the most important part of the season? I feel like his ability to walk that line is my favorite thing about him. You know, he, he reminds me of AJ Pruszynski. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's that guy that you love to have on your team, but you hate to play mm -hmm. against because you know, as yeah. some, even when yeah. you don't know, he's going to end up inside your head, making you do some things that maybe you shouldn't have done. Uh, but on top of that, he's an elite defender, uh, impacts the game in ways that I feel like um, we don't talk about enough. 
you know, I, I feel like one day we're going to be talking about Draymond Green as a as a Hall of Famer, and I feel like he deserves it. Because I don't know if if this Golden State Warriors core works, especially at this point in their careers, without a guy like Draymond who just is willing to do whatever. You know, so I love Draymond Green. I love everything he brings to the game. I love how he talks in between games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking forward to him, you know, as, especially after his career, when he gets into the broadcasting side mm-hmm. of it, it's going to be a pleasure listening to him uh, because we know he's following in that in that mode like a KG uh, yeah. of, of having no filter. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I've loved watching him play. I, I'm happy that he's been able to keep these guys at that level because I, I'll tell you the truth. When Kevin Durant left, I thought it was over for these guys. I didn't know if they yeah. could ever get back to this point, especially with Draymond saying stuff like, oh, KD was, you know, was tweaking. He was asleep. We better without KD. We still going to win. I was looking at Draymond like, hey, sh- sh- be quiet. Make sure don't nobody hear you say that. <laughs> but you really got to salute those guys and the work that they put in to get back to this level. Man, it's, it's just really kind of amazing. Uh, what that core has been able to accomplish. Yeah, and absolutely. Also, too, wants to give Draymond a shout-out because he passed Larry Bird and Kobe for, for number 10 in all-time and assists in the finals. So he actually said this on Twitter about 45 minutes ago. He said, not half bad for a guy who can't pass. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's stay in the West for a second kind of go outside the finals, Terrence. Uh, Quinn Snyder, who I think some would probably be a little bit shocked, or maybe they're not, depending on who you ask. He was uh, he's resigned from you know head coach of the Jazz. They went to the playoffs the last six seasons, but never went past the uh, never went to the conference finals. You know, so and some people are already saying we know the, the rumors about Rudy Gobert, and now the Donovan Mitchell rumors. Don't start Bulls fans, please don't do that. <laughs> what do you think about the situation <laughs> over in Utah? <laughs> you know how Bulls fans are, Terrence. You know it. <laughs> you know what? I, I can't front. Right before we hopped on, I was thinking about the possibility of what it would take to get Rudy Gobert over to the Chicago Bulls because he just feels a need. You know, first and foremost, you know, Rudy Gobert down there defensively, um, I think would make a huge difference. Uh, for the Chicago Bulls. Now, as far as the Utah Jazz, it's an age-old situation that we've seen year after year. Uh, how many years can you continue to run it back without really achieving anything? Um, and then on top of that, how many times can you run it back when your two best players really don't like each other? You know, and I'm talking about Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell have been kind of in a cold war uh, since really that that uh, that situation where Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert was the first to get COVID and he touched all the mics, that was the first situation where we saw them vo- vocally kind of come out against each other. And we haven't really seen it reeled back in since. So the way they got beat by the Mavericks this year really kind of put the writing on the wall as far as if this team could go any further. And I, I totally don't think the answer is yes. Like, the Jazz are going to be the team this summer that everybody feels they can pick from, <laughs> almost like a expansion draft kind of situation. Everybody in the <laughs> league is going to be looking at that roster like, hmm, I wonder how he'll look in my in my jersey. So uh, it's only right that a team like the Chicago Bulls to be looking at a guy like Rudy Gobert, who, although I feel like in the West, um, 
I, I'm not a huge Rudy Gobert fan, but bring him over to the East. I feel like, you know, it's, it's a totally different situation, um, especially with a, a roster like the Chicago Bulls, who, who already has a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who I feel like will help bring Zach Levine back into the fold and make him feel more comfortable, even though everybody I talk to that's connected to Zach Levine tells me uh, that he really loves being in Chicago and that Chicago is his first choice. Uh, you put a guy like Rudy Gobert in that starting five, I, I, I think you're talking about a really dangerous team. Uh, last moment or two with Terrence Tomlin, one half of it, it's the Bigs right here on Second City Sports, live and in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakin here with you. Terrence, last time we brought you on, it was, it was at the All-Star break. You said that the Los Angeles Lakers would not make the playoffs. That prediction came true. <laughs> but then now they have a new head coach in Darvin Ham, former NBA player. He was assistant in Detroit and Milwaukee and a couple other stops throughout his career. Uh, of course, they had to run it through LeBron James, I'm sure, in his team. Uh, what do you expect from the Lakers this summer? Do you think Russell Westbrook and or Anthony Davis gets traded? Whew, you know what? I'm. What about LeBron James? Do you think LeBron James is going to get traded? I feel you could go a little bit. Here we tie before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I I don't know um, if the Lakers are in position to really matter for the next couple of seasons if they don't trade Anthony Davis, if they don't trade Russell Westbrook. I feel like those things absolutely have to happen. They should have uh, a couple of those moves maybe should have happened already. And um, honestly, I'm I'm totally I'm I'm confused with the Lakers. I don't know how they get better. I don't know how they turn into a playoff team out there in the West right now uh, when they've basically wrapped all of their hopes and dreams around LeBron James and and his ability to also recruit, bring in players that he'll play well with. I feel like he's in an interesting point in his career where a lot of players feel like, hey, why do I got to go team with LeBron anymore when I can – the team I'm on right now, we can run through the Lakers. Or well, LeBron's not a factor if he's over there in L.A. So um, I feel like they, they're going to have to get really crafty, really – you know, they're going to have to be the Lakers, you know. They're going to have to be the yeah. Lakers for real mm -hmm. and, and really kind of – do something, you know, maybe what if they can find a way to get Damian Lillard, you know, or if I'm the Lakers, I'm thinking about one of those moves and not necessarily because I, if you trade Anthony Davis, what's the return going to be? You know, are, are you just trying to stack up draft picks? Is anybody willing to, to give up the house for Anthony Davis anymore? Given the fact that he hasn't been able to, to shake his injury problems, uh, and then on top of that, do you feel like our boy, um, excuse me, I'm forgetting his first name, but Ham, and I, and I feel like I'm bogus for forgetting his first name. I remember Darvin. the dunk, <laughs> Darvin Darvin Ham. I remember the dunk contest all those years ago mm -hmm. between him and Kobe. Yeah. Is, is he really the coach that's going to bring in top players that, that players around the league are saying, I want to play for? Is it going to be uh, a, a Udoka situation like they had in Boston where – He's the right guy for the job. I feel like it's just a lot of question marks uh, for the Lakers right now. Absolutely. It should be interesting to see what they do. Do you – last question for me, Terrence. Do you think Zach Levine stays in Chicago? We've heard all the rumors of all – like there are like, about a half dozen teams that are going to be <laughs> buying for his service. So what do you think what's going to happen with Zach this offseason? 
you know what? I feel like the biggest issue in Zach's career, at least from his uh, his mouth, has been winning. And and now that he's finally done that on the Chicago Bulls, I don't see why he would want to leave and go to another situation where he has to be the guy for a team that doesn't have enough to win. You know? Yeah, I feel like leaving right now would be a, a step back in his career. Uh, even if you're talking about him going to be a third option in Los Angeles, I, I don't know if that's better than being a number one or number two option in Chicago. Uh, so I totally feel like, first of all, he can get the most money from the Bulls, and that matters. Second of all, that, I think this is home for him right now. I, I think the Bulls are are his team. I think that he has the fan base. The fans love him. And I feel like I, I still think that Zach is going to get better uh, over the next couple of seasons in, in his uh, in his career. I feel like uh, he's another guy that I want to stay healthy. You know, you, you look at the Bulls roster, there's a few players I want to stay healthy. Uh, but Zach, um, Zach is right there. If he stays healthy, you're talking about a 25 to 28 points per game score uh, on a team that desperately needs a player like that. So uh, the fit is there. Um, I feel like he likes his teammates. The the the, the beef that we've kind of heard about over the offseason between him and Demar, I feel like it's BS. I don't believe that at all. Uh, those guys have a really good connection. And uh, as far as Zach is concerned, Demar is the kind of guy you want to play with. You know, especially you know if Zach is going to be a number two or number three option, Demar is one of those guys who. Will happily take the man to uh, being the guy to take the last shot, but Zach is more than capable, and I totally think that when the dust settles and we we stop with all the rumors and the, whatever clutch is planting in social media <laughs> to be the conversation of the day, when all that's done, I think Zach is going to be a bull. All right, that was Terrence Timely, one half of it's the base. You can follow him on social media at Timely Does It once again at Timely Does It, and you can follow the base as a whole on Twitter at It's The Bigs. Terrence, as always, man, we appreciate you coming on to the show. Tell Eugene we said what's up, and you and him always have an open-door policy right here on Second City Sports. We appreciate Absolutely. you, my man. Thank you all so much, man. I, I truly appreciate you two showing us love for all of these years, and I wish you two nothing but the best. I got y'all. Yeah, yes, back at sick. you. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. All right, now, y'all too. All right. Okay. All right, that's our buddy Terrence Tomlin from It's the Biz, of course. You know, all the great work we've you know we've done with him and Eugene the last few years. We mm -hmm. are supporting each other in you know, what we do here, so that's how we do it. And we're going to take a break, and we're going to keep doing what we're doing because we got a lot to talk about still. we got the conference finals in the Stanley Cup. you got uh, for the French Open recap. You know, Rafa mm -hmm. Nadal does it again. Um, and also, too, uh, CJ McCall is going on right now as we speak. Speaking of what we said about Draymond, yeah, that's what yeah. CJ is doing. We'll, we'll tell, talk a little bit more about that in other news as well. So, and also, we'll too. Yeah, and also too, we got this is old school TV Monday. Oh yes, we were yes. yeah, we were and Lakina doesn't know this, but we'll pay tribute to a, a television show that helped revolutionize a network. It's not what you who what you think it is. We'll tell you about that coming up. <laughs> Second season sports on Sports of Chicago. We'll see you in a bit. AutomotiveMap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. 
NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. That's the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it'd be too difficult or take too much time? Then try Babbel. In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel teaches you conversations that you will actually use. With 14 languages and lesson topics like travel, business, relationships, and more, you'll learn what matters most to you. Babbel. Language for life. Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Welcome back to Second City Sports, the all-new Monday edition right here on Sports Old Chicago. We're live in 11 color along with Miss Community, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kayla McGee on the Twitter and at Kayla McGee on the IG. We have less than 20 minutes left of this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can go to Sports on Chicago on Facebook and Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Just type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get the, up on the screen for you. Lakina, let's do that hockey. We got a lot to jam into within the next 20 minutes or so. But let's kick off with that hockey. Uh, game three of the 2022 Easter Conference Finals between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers took place yesterday at Amelie Arena. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, after trailing 2-0 uh, in, the, in the series and in the game, the Tampa Bay Lightning scored three unanswered goals, including Nik- uh, Nikita Kucherov, Palat, and Steven Stamkos. The Tampa Bay Lightning got mm-hmm. back in the game and got back in the series with a 3-2 victory. They now trail their best-of-seven series to the New York Rangers. Two to one. They needed that win desperately. They could not have mm-hmm. afford going down 3-0. And I saw some of the game last uh yesterday, I should say. And yeah, it was a, it was definitely a back and forth game. And once yeah. you thought that maybe, you know, especially since it seemed like maybe you kind of felt that the Rangers were gonna take a 3-0 lead, seems mm-hmm. like they woke up and uh the the, the like that I mean, and they you know 
then Stamkos had that power play goal, you know, not, mm-hmm. not even 90 seconds into the third period. And then, you know, Andres put, put, you know, Pellet, I can never say his name, good, you know, good Lord help me, but uh, <laughs> you know, with, with almost like 45 seconds left, he scored the game winner and, you know, kind of like a light bulb. And that place in Tampa was rocking, you know, for the, it act, you know, for to their credit, the Lightning fans are actually pretty passionate. I'm sure there were definitely more than their share of, Rangers probably have more than their share of, of their fans there as well, but you kind of felt yeah. that, you know, that, that electricity in that arena. So we'll see if they can, you know, bounce back tomorrow. And, uh, but yeah, you know, this could definitely be a kind of a term in, in the series. Yeah, let's see what happens uh, tomorrow night in game four. Uh, the New York Rangers, as we talked about before, Likina, uh, their power play is actually very good, but when they don't have uh, the, the the man advantage, they really struggle to score. You talk about Chris Kreider mm-hmm. and Artemi Panarin, yeah. uh, former Blackhawk. Thank you, Stan Bowman. Fool. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> Blackhawk. <laughs> but but they, they struggle to score at times, and they really can uh, bring the physical pain as well. But the Tampa Bay Lightning still got their speed and they had their skills. So, uh, as we said before, uh, it's going to be a long series. Of course, I have the Rangers winning the whole thing. It, this series, I believe, is going to go the full seven, and I'll be disappointed that didn't happen. But it's still going to be a long series. Tampa Bay really needed that win on home ice yesterday. It's uh, yeah, actually, Paulette's tenth uh, career game-winning goal in the playoffs too. So that that's actually be you know, pretty cool. So it actually it was kind of destined for him, I guess, because he he's done this more than a few times. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Because I think, like I said, I think I have the Rangers in seven. So you know, we'll see if they can kind of you know we'll see what ha- we'll see what happens. But you know, tomorrow. But tonight we may have our first uh, team going to the Stanley Cup final. The Abs. The Abs are are now up three zero. I, I don't know what's going on with uh it, it seems like where where is everybody for the Oilers? Where where I know I know Kane Kane's it looks like he's probably gonna be suspended because he's you know did the uh, yeah he had the dumb hit uh uh Kadri's getting picked on a lot these playoffs. I don't know why, but I know cool. St. Louis now what happened on Saturday. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on. But as far as the game is concerned, Connor McDavid showed up, he scored the first goal of the game. But the, the but the Edmonton Oilers can sustain that energy. Nope. Uh, the Kucherson from uh, Colorado actually scored uh, uh, scored uh, two goals uh, in, mm-hmm. in that comeback. Uh, yep. it basically, is is about talent and experience for Colorado in uh, in the youth and inexperience at times of of Edmonton. Edmonton uh, has been in the playoffs before, but they haven't had this much experience. Uh, it's a learning lesson, regardless if they get swept tonight or not. It's a learning experience for them. I think it's going to help them moving forward. But Colorado, now they've been knocking at the door these last couple of years, and they could definitely kick it in tonight, as you mentioned, uh, with the win and the sweep of these in the Western Conference Finals on their way to the big show. Yeah, that was their seventh comeback win of the playoffs this season. So that's the second most in franchise history behind their the last time they won the cup in '96. So that when they had eight. So uh, again, this is sort of like I guess sort of you know uh, <laughs> sort of like a rhythm here. But uh, yeah, I mean Edmonton needs to get it together. They really do, and hopefully they can kind of at least try to make a play in an effort. Yeah, they did score you know that opener. You know, McDavid did, but. It was really nothing more. I mean, and also, you know, everything else. So I don't know what what can Edmonton do. I mean, if you're the Abs, you try to pounce on them early and you know don't look back because I'm sure they're going to want to end this series tonight. So, but well, again, we'll see what they do. But yeah, I mean, McDavid needs to step up. Um, it's you know, Dressati needs to step up as well. He's been kind of been a no show mm-hmm. the last couple of games. So 
I, I don't know. I think try to steal in their goalie, Mike Smith. Do could we have a quote unquote legendary performance out of him tonight yeah. for them to save their season? Yeah. Well, well, he needs help from the, the, he needs to be able to they, they score, score goals for him. He had yeah. thirty nine. <laughs> he had thirty nine saves, but it wasn't enough. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, but uh, it looks like maybe Alex might take it tonight. I don't know, but again, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. You can check that game out on TNT. TNT tonight. Note this. Note the networks. I mean, on TNT tonight, and uh, you get to see uh, Paul Bisnet's uh, weird uh, pro. Uh, yeah. Half, uh, whatever the heck that is with the mustache. That's not a good look for him. Not, not a good look. Not a good look at all. But right, <laughs> I enjoy his analysis. But yeah. you know, like Ray Ray, our girl Ray Ray from um, co-host of House Love of Hockey podcast. podcast but yeah, yeah. So you guys check that out. So the t- Avalanche and Oilers tonight at seven o'clock. Game four from Edmonton. That's on. TNT here in the States at 7 o'clock. Of course, tomorrow, Tuesday, will be game four of the Eastern Conference Finals between the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's Tuesday. That's tomorrow. That's at 7 o'clock on ESPN and ESPN+. And, of course, game game five uh, between Tampa Bay and the New York Rangers will be back in MSG. That's on Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN and ESPN+. Of course, if necessary, Game 5 of the Edmonton-Colorado series will take place on Wednesday. So that's your schedule for the Stanley Cup playoffs as we wind down the home stretch of the conference finals. Should be fun. Hopefully, hopefully the Oilers can extend the series. I I don't know when... We'll see what happens. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if they can, but again, you know, we'll see. But uh, and also too, we'll you know we'll we'll see if you know the, the Lightning can tie it up, and will the Rangers take back control? So it should be fun, nonetheless. Now going to the uh, the courts of tennis, uh, you know, real quick. Uh, shout out to the you know the two new French Open champions. Well, no, well, not new because she actually has uh, this is actually her second straight title. Uh, Iga Swiatek. Um, who has been playing like if you've been following tennis? Uh, I know Sid doesn't really follow tennis that much, but you know, to just, just, <laughs> just go with it, Sid. Uh, she's been playing lights out. She's won, she's been 18 0 since. <laughs> oh, stop that. Uh, <laughs> she's now the youngest, she's only 21. She now has two French Open titles. She's the youngest two time champion since Maria Sharapova when she won her second, you know, all the way back in 06. She's 18 0 since becoming world number one. And she has six titles since, including the French Open title, which she won uh, last year. That's the most since Serena, when she did it back in 2014, when she won seven. She beats Coco Golf in a straight sets. I, I'm, I'm thinking that you know the nerves kind of got to Coco a little bit. And she admitted in the, uh, in the press or two in, the, in an interview she did. So I, she'll be back. Remember, she's just her 18, folks. I mean, give her a break. This is her first Grand Slam final. I know she she also uh, lost in the doubles final too, but I, I think she, now she's got the taste of it. I think she just needs to work on some things, get that forehand going and control the nerves. I think she'll be fine. She'll be back. I don't, I'm not worried about her. You know, Schwartzek is like one of the top. She's the number one player in the world on the women's side right now for a reason. So I'm not too worried about her. I know my girl Madison Keys lost in that tournament. I know she's been out of the spotlight for a while as well. I know both of them were in the spotlight a few years ago as the uh, next future stars of tennis. But like you mentioned, Coco Golf uh, has rebounded a bit. But Madison Keys has been struggling. Don't yeah, like it's it. Been, yeah, it's been mostly injuries though for in, on her mm-hmm. part. And yeah, I think she made like this around sixteen, but the, but lost. We'll see what happens in Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon in, the, in a few weeks. I know this is kind of when Coco kind of you know, burst onto the scene. So we'll see if she mm-hmm. can kind of work from this experience at the French and kind of go into it with Wimbledon. Now on the men's side, he's he did it again. 
Rafa Nadal. Uh, <laughs> Just the what more? I don't think there's more words you can say about Rafa at this point. It's his now 22nd overall Grand Slam title, also now his 14th French Open. That's the most in the Open era. He actually won it almost to the day when he won his first back in 05. Also, he won in 2011, breaking Bjorn Borg's record, who he won seven. There's really mm-hmm. nothing more you can say about that. He now joins uh, just he coaches the fifth the fifth guy to win it both the French and Aussie in the same year in the open era back in 68. Go to, of course, Djokovic, who won last year, mm-hmm. won both last year, almost had a career grand slam. He has sort of, you know, Casper Ruud, of course, you know, before he was the first Norwegian to get in. He'll, he'll be fine too. Actually, he's actually training his uncle Tony's, uh, Rafa's uncle Tony's uh, tennis academy. So that's why, you know, and also Swartz does too. But yeah, she, he's, you know, he went to the French Open, you know, a few times when he was younger. Now he you know, made it to the, you know, to the, he actually has a couple of tournament tourney wins this year. So he'll be back as well. So, but Rafa's already said that he may not play Wimbledon because of the short turnaround. You know, he had three weeks before Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. So he may not go for that calendar slam, although you never know. But uh, yeah, R- Rafa is now two ahead of both Djokovic and Federer at this point. So. Yeah, speaking of Nadal, Lakina, with all the accomplishments you just read off, can you call him the Tom Brady of tennis? A men's tennis, yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely. I think he probably some people say he's the goat because the fact that he's been able to do this with he had the you know, cracked ribs, you know, he's had knee issues and foot issues. <laughs> the fact that he's surprised him, he said himself that he's actually surprised that he's he still can play at this high of a level at his age, he's 36, but yet all the wear and tear he's had in his body. So, yeah, can it, you say he's better than John McEnroe, Jimmy Connors, Pete Sampras, Agassi? Oh, well, look, I think they're all kind of like fighting him and Djokovic and Federer as kind of like the all-time greats. He has it. He is ahead right now. Like I said, he's now two ahead of both of them at this point. He's in with 25, so who knows? But, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's withdrawing for Wimbledon, so he's not going to be able to, we're not going to have that calendar slam because, of course, you know, he has to think about his injuries and such. But uh, mm-hmm. just, yeah, just amazing what he's, he's still, ac- still accomplishing. It's just nothing short of incredible. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition, live in 11 color, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. See Lakina here with you. Lakina, before we get to our old school TV Monday salute, uh, do you have any more uh, nuggets? Because I have an NFL story that we have to discuss. Well, we have to talk about the CJ, real quick about CJ McCollum. Um, yeah, he, actually made, he actually just made his debut, his debut on ESPN. Uh, it's a multimedia kind of thing where he's going to be doing uh doing the ESPN like wraparound if you he's going to be appearing on get up first take sports center while he's still playing as well of course and um you're a very smart guy i mean this is very kind of similar to what you know what you know, with uh what the Draymond Green did and such and it's going to be very interesting to see how he does this. i mean he's a, he's a pretty smart guy so i'm sure he's probably going to be doing some college you know coops as well i'm sure they're going to probably get him to do that. of course he was at lehigh of course when they upset duke all those years ago in the first round but this is actually a really cool kind of concept and yeah i think he's going to do fine and yeah well we'll see what he does especially in end season because he's going to be doing some stuff in season as well he's going to be traveling so that's going to be kind of like the kicker too that's going to be going to be the more interesting part yeah, he's doing the same thing, but a little bit more responsibility, like Draymond Green is doing. Of course, Draymond Green is part of Colin Kyle Hurts podcast network of the volume. He drops a podcast uh, a couple of times a week. Of course, he's doing stuff with TNT, and mm-hmm. so he's preparing. You know, they're preparing him to re- eventually replace Charles Barkley once Draymond Green's career is done. So, mm-hmm. like you said, CJ McCollum, he did a few things at All Star Weekend a few years ago for ESPN or for Turner. I forgot which one, but he's a very smart young man. So. 
uh, he's going to do just fine. Mm-hmm. Yes, he yeah, will. So, so yeah, yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he does, especially in scene. That's going to be going to be the really going to be the thing for me. I want to see how this goes with him. Yeah. But go ahead, Sid. Uh, as we always say, Lakina, the NFL is a twelve-month sport, and today they don't disappoint. This comes to our good friends at Awful Announcing. Uh, it says headline: John Lynch says that post NFC Championship game address was key to him turning down Amazon's fifteen million dollar offer. Quote: How do I sit up here and address these guys and talk about having the fortitude to fight through the pain of losing a game like this, the NFC Championship game, to the now? defending champion Rams uh, through the pain of losing a, a game like this and then turn around and bolt on them. When Amazon uh, with Amazon launching its exclusive Thursday night football broadcast this fall, this all season saw a lot of drama about who would form that broadcast booth. Amazon eventually landed on Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit uh, that the news came officially late March. But there were several other figures mentioned before that on the analyst uh, side in, in particular. One of those was San Francisco 49ers current GM, John Lynch, who worked as a game analyst for Fox from 2008 through 2016. Andrew Marshawn of the New York Post reported in February that Amazon had had talks with Lynch and added that they are likely offered to triple his 49ers salary at $5 million right now. But noted that later that Lynch clearly shut quickly shut that down at the talks after one dinner. Lynch then said in an early March press conference that the NFL comment that he stayed that he stayed because of the opportunity that he thinks the 49ers have to compete for a title with their current roster. Lakina, uh, John Lynch, uh, I thought was very good when he was doing his work with Fox many mm-hmm. years ago, but uh, it, it, uh, he wants to uh, keep his current job. I don't blame him. The 49ers are still in, in the mix for the Super Bowl. Which quarterback would that be, Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance? That remains to be seen. Of course, as we all know, as Bears fans, they open up in here in Chicago on September 11th to kick off the 2022 season. So, of course, uh, Amazon's been talking to uh, Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch to be part of their coverage as well. John Lynch, he, 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 uh, he's not ready to give up that general manager's life yet. I know that's much more stress than uh, doing work for a broadcast team, but uh, John Lynch uh, respectfully turned them down. Yeah, well, he had to. He did respectfully, so I guess you can kind of give him give him that much. He is a bit of a. He is definitely a gentleman, but yeah, I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, this, this core. You know, I know, you know, uh, you know, Debo Sammy. I know, you know, with the trade talks and such, but I think they'll. I think they'll figure it out. I know he's not gonna. He's not over there yeah. in mandatory mini camp right now, as it is going all over the league. But yeah, I think he'll. I think he'll. Yeah, I think he. I think he probably will end it, but I'll. He'll. He'll go. He'll go back to the booth, to the booth, but not right now. I think he feels like he got some unfinished business to take care of in San Francisco, especially since he left the booth to join the front office. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, the talent is there. They can still. They're still right there in the mix for the NFC West. You know, it is going to be a very tough conference. But mm-hmm. I think he made the right decision. I mean, the fact that he they they Amazon Amazon offered to triple his salary, but yet he told still told him no. You gotta give kind of give him a comment for that to feel like he wants to be committed and perhaps try to win a Super Bowl in San Fran. I, I can't say I blame him. Yeah, we don't blame him at all. So we'll see what the 49ers do uh moving forward for this upcoming season. Lakina, let's end this show on a high note as we go to old school TV Monday. We pay tribute to an unsung TV show that we that we feel like that has made an impact on not just only on American culture and black culture, but uh, uh pop culture as a whole around the country and around the world. Today, yours truly wants to salute Club MTV. Club MTV was a half-hour television show modeled after American Bandstand that aired on MTV from August 31st of 1987 to June 26th of 1990, 1992. 
Club MTV was part of MTV's second generation of programming as the channel was phasing out its original five VJs and introducing new ones. It was hosted by downtown Julie Brown at a large dance club in New York City. The show cut back and forth between teenagers dancing to a hit dance song in the video of that of that hit. In later shows, they would will, will dance exclusively to freestyle music. Often there were music guests who performed their new singles, such as Paula Abdul, Expose, Jody Wiley, Debbie Harry from the group Blondie, New Kids on the Block, Vanessa Williams, Sheena Easton, Debbie Gibson, Salt and Pepper, MC Hammer, Taylor Dane, D Light. Pet Shop Boys, EU, Doing the Butt, Vanilla Ice, Samantha Fox, Soul to Soul, Black Box, Company B, El DeBarge, Donna Summer, Inner, Inner City, and more. They feature others of uh, rock groups like the Ramones, Mr. Mister, and the De Dead Milkmen, and NXS. The show will go to uh, with the rise of popularity of freestyle music. Club TV began uh, using the, mu the music nearly exclusively with a few house and hip-hop songs thrown in. In 1989, NTV introduced the companion show for Friday nights called Street Party that aired the complete videos of songs used on Club MTV. Though modeled after American Bandstand, the show had more sophisticated nightclub look. The women, especially many of them inspiring models, dressed in provocative club wear, skin-tight dresses, spandex pants, mini skirts, fishnet stockings, and the show became known for its sexual allure. In a special uh, broadcast in 1999, some of those... Uh, some of his more uh, scandalous moments were featured on during that special. Notable entertainers that were they were uh, used club TV for is started including Camille Grammer, Anastasia, Lucas Prada, Hill Harper, Jennifer Esposito, SS Atkins, Michelle Fiscage, and Darren Darren Henson. So we like to pay tribute to Club MTV, which uh, uh, ran the network of MTV to help that network uh, go into heights that we know that they are today. So it was hosted by downtown Julie Brown for six seasons. I was sad when that show went off the air, Lakina. Uh, as I, I said before, my mother had cable. We had three TVs in our house. So it was only one uh, uh, one TV in my house that had cable. And I would try to uh, sneak and watch MTV, which I did a few times, and I remember watching that show. That was a very good show. You, you know they were watching shows like Soul Train and American Bandstand, which they, they model after, but uh, it was a very good TV show. I wish it, that show was an hour. I think believe, I believe it was on every day uh, throughout yeah. the week, and so they couldn't go to an hour, but that was a very good TV show. Of course, downtown Julie Brown is still doing things within the entertainment mm -hmm. industry right now. She still looks good for her advanced age, but uh, even though we talk about Soul Train a lot, Lakina, I know we make fun of Bandstand here and there, but in my opinion, Club MTV was the second best dance show next to Soul Train. Well, I didn't. We didn't get cable until 1990, so unfortunately, I didn't get to see kind of like Club MTV at the height of it. But I did check it out. Mm -hmm. I did see New Kids. I saw Mariah Carey and such. So it was yeah. definitely kind of like you know, sort of a combination of Soul Train with a little bit of TRL and such. And yeah. I, I think one of the reasons why. And unfortunately, a show like this is probably much needed because like, it kind of gives it give teenagers sort of, especially and young people too, sort of like a thing to kind of let off some steam, you know, get be entertained. You have some of their favorite stars on there, and I think that's mm -hmm. definitely sort of you know, you know kind of paved the way for that for shows like 
TRL and you know, yeah. shows like that and 106 in Park. 106 in Park, stuff. yep, especially, yeah. So it's definitely, it's definitely kind of right the way I love downtown Joey Brown. She's still, like she, like you said, she still works in the industry over in England. I think she still hosts a very popular music uh, viewing show in, uh, over yeah. in Britain. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the exact title is, but I, I know I, I did a kind of reunion special recently. Not too long ago, and I know she said she was doing that. Now she's been doing that the last few years. But yeah, look, I, I look. I mean, unfortunately, you know, the parameters are different. You wish you know something like this could probably, especially with everything going on, they give you know sort of young folks sort of like a like a safe haven mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways. But unfortunately, that's not the case anymore. But yeah, yeah. I, but I think this was great for what it was at the for the mm -hmm. times that we lived in. And things were so much simpler than Sid, but uh, yeah, yes. I love, yes. I love, I love Club, I love Club MTV. It was, you know, you know, even my mom watched it a little bit with me, even though she didn't really know I was too crazy about some of the songs that were on there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, but, but, but look, it was great, great fun family entertainment. So. Yes, it was. Like I said, it took downtown, downtown Julie Brown to New Heights. And she was a, a pop culture sensation. Even if you didn't have a cable, she hosted various television specials. Mm -hmm. And she was on the, those NBA commercials. Remember back in the day? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the NBA action is fantastic. fantastic she was yep. in, yeah, she was featured in a couple of them. So it, it took her to the mainstream. And uh, we like to pay tribute to Club NTV. Like you said, it opened up doors for shows like TRL and 106 and Park uh, late, later on in the decade going into the 2000s. So uh, Club MTV, it was, it was a very good show. So we like to pay homage to that show. We tip our tip our caps and yes. hair and everything. As, as downtown Julie Brown famously said after each episode, wubba, 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 wubba. wubba. Goodbye and God bless. We should wait until after the end of the show. <laughs> we should wait right. until after <laughs> I had to get show. that in there because, you know, my brain sometimes goes crazy. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we uh, uh, go, um, the, uh, the the College Football Hall of Fame, you know, for for next year's class, some of them, those names have been uh, filtered out. And uh, if you're uh, one of those, uh, some of the names on the list will make you feel old. Mm -hmm. uh, check this out. Marshawn Lynch is up for consideration. Luke Keegley, James Laronitis, Ryan Leaf, Peter Warwick. Hello, Inata. That takes me back to my late high school, early college years. Peter Warwick is special. <laughs> yeah, Julius Pepper, Simeon Rice, Anton Randall, Randall L., Eric Rett, our, our, you know, our buddy Chico, you know, Robert Fair, of course, now the coach over mm -hmm. with Washington. He's up for it as well. So, yeah, so definitely uh, some very uh, recognizable names. And, oh, uh, Tim Tebow, Tebow and Troy Vincent as well. And all Eric Weddle, too, another name, D'Angelo Williams among many others. So, uh, yeah. So you can definitely check it out on the College Football Hall of Fame. I actually had a tweet. You can go through my Twitter account. I actually said, oh, my God, these names make me feel old. And they actually agree <laughs> with me. And, they, and their Twitter account, I don't know who their social media managers, but they agree with me. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, I'm but, right uh, behind you, Lakina. <laughs> oh, gosh. But on that note, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrub McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, SIDKID80, SIDKID80. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow uh, Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure you uh, subscribe to our podcast at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you follow War Media at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, and we'd like to thank Terrence Thomas Tomlin from It's the Bigs for joining us today. 
uh, for discussing the NBA Finals and Chicago White Sox baseball. And make sure you catch Second City Sports live at 11 Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago. One more again, as you young folks would say. Catch Second City Sports every Monday, every Friday, live in a living color from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports on Chicago. Enjoy the sports this week, everybody. You've got some great uh, matchups. Of course, you got the NBA Finals. You have, you know, return again on Wednesday. You got the Conference Finals. We'll see if Colorado can end it tonight. Also, you got the Women's College World Series, UCLA beat Oklahoma. Uh, I know uh, Troy Aikman had a tough time. Well, he actually said he was playing for UC, he was here for UCLA. So, and they actually did end up winning that game uh, against Oklahoma <laughs> five to one. But <laughs> enjoy the other Women's College World Series. You got the Men's College World Series on the baseball side coming up as they get ready for Super Regionals too. So, a lot of great sports this week. Enjoyed everybody. First hit, I'm Lakina. If you're not gonna get vaccinated, wear your mask. But also to just be good to each other. This has been Texas State Sports on Sports on Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Wubba, wubba, wubba. Goodbye and God bless. Holla! <laughs> <laughs>